Hello and welcome to Grace Lifestyle Bosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Where you are this morning, I wanted to just as a as a start, just ask you sort of. Um, have you found Christ? Have you found Jesus? And we're looking at a series and we're making it um, very interesting. And I, I said to the team this morning, I love just how God, like you think you're going in one direction and then he just turns it around into something much more amazing. So we kicked off a series called Finding Jesus in Genesis. And uh, the first Sunday I shared on how Jesus really is the beginning. And from the book of Revelation, we can see how he's the beginning and the end. And how he has to be everything in between. And then last week, like, I felt God just challenge me and say, listen, but who are you looking for? So if you're finding Jesus, you know those books, Find Wally. Where's Wally? You need to know what Wally looks like to, to find Wally. Like and when you sit with a child, you need to explain to them, it's the one with the, the white and the red stripes. That's the one you're looking for. So when you're looking for Jesus, like, who are you looking for? Again, that was last week's message. And, um, I didn't expect as much feedback as what I've got. And there's some homework that we're still doing. Um, but I think it was awesome. It was just clarifying who God is. Jesus is God in the flesh, manifest. Um, I love the verse from what's it, 1 Timothy 3.16 that says, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Like, we don't need to... We're explaining that away. There's some other verses then we need to look into the translation. And what we've really found, even in this week as we say it further, is uh, the New Testament makes it difficult to see the oneness between God and Jesus. And it's mostly because of the translations. Where if we want to define doctrine, we look from the old into the new. And we don't just take one verse and say, this is what we believe. We look and we study throughout the Bible. What does it mean? And um, the word says, even in the mouth of two or three witnesses, shall the truth be defined. So we cannot pick up one verse. Okay, I gave you a tip last week, and I said, what's the most dangerous thing in the world? Verse of the day. Okay? Because, um, like, what's the context? What are you doing with it? Where are you coming from? Um, and really, you will find in this church that we are very much about the Word. <laughs> We're not going to send out devotionals so often. We're not going to uh, give you a verse of the day or encouragement. We do all those things in, in a way. But we really invite you to study for yourself. And uh, 2 Timothy 2.15 speaks about a workman, a laborer. And that's even who the, the, the Bible says should have honor. So there's honor for those who study. The word actually says there's double honor for those who study, who labor in the word and doctrine. So it's important for all of us to become uh, aware. And we know that that's not always popular. Okay, let me start off with that. I've gone to the conferences, How to Grow Your Church. Spent a lot of money, flew to Birmingham, Alabama, and they told us a few things. And one of the things they told us, keep it simple, keep it short. <laughs> Not going to happen. Because I'd rather grow you who are here than reach a million people halfway. Okay, Jesus spent and poured out his life into 12, and we are the fruit of that. Okay, so it's not about how many people we have. And, I mean, we've got more chairs and there's more bunkies at the back and we'll fill the places. Like, we, we don't, we're not against it, but I'm not going to be um, Grace Light. Okay? This is Grace Life. Okay? This is all there is. There's, there's nothing more. Like, and we'll, I'll show you the verses. Like, um, 2 Timothy 1.1. I say this with the team this morning. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. So nothing else is going to give you life. No tradition, no sacrament, no, um, I want to say promise. There's only one promise in the Bible. I know that's not popular, but that's true. He is the seed of Abraham. Amen. And um, so what we're looking at then is we are finding Jesus. So we looked at Jesus is in the beginning. We've looked at Jesus now is God in the flesh manifest as one of us. And then thirdly, today I'm asking you, have you found what you were looking for? Have you found what you've been looking for? And really, in essence, I was, uh, I was thinking about it. And, like, even after finishing my prep and, and finalizing my notes and uploading it so that the multimedia team can get the scriptures for you and all of that, I was like, Lord, how does this fit in to the series? 
Like, because it's not really like finding Jesus in the ark or finding Jesus um, like in the garden. Or, or, and I can do all those things. I can, I can explain that to you and I love it. And if you know me, I love the Old Testament. And amazing how God just speaks to you continuously and He says to me, listen, the moment you find Jesus, it's your genesis. It's your beginning. I mean, I was like, Lord, <laughs> I cannot come up with these things, I promise you. Like, I'm not that clever. And I was like, Lord, this is so profound. The moment we find Jesus, it is a new beginning. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, all things have become new. So new beginning Genesis. Like, when is your Genesis? When is your start? And you know what the beauty is? If you find Jesus, whatever you did before that is not your start. You have a new start. You have a restart. And we think restart like a, a PC or a laptop, and you go back to the same thing. But you need to think of something different. You need to think of like a game almost. When you restart, like you restart with fullness. And you don't just restart the same as you were. You restart like supernatural. You restart in the Spirit. You restart forgiven. You restart as one with Christ, one with the Spirit, one with the saints. And that's really so awesome um, to think about that. So when I look at Timothy, or the book to Timothy, as we're studying it out for ministry school, um, you know, you come to books of the Bible with a bit of a preconceived idea. Or maybe it's just me. Like, you're going to go to Timothy, and you'll find how to appoint elders and deacons. Or how to operate in the house of God. Or how to be a good leader. Um, and you're almost listening from Timothy's perspective. And as I've studied this out as well, like I've realized Paul actually is very clever in weaving his personal testimony into the letter, the writings to Timothy. And if you start reading it in that way, then you find something different. You find something more. And I want to show you this morning what happened to Paul when he found what he was looking for. So Saul was this great young up-and-coming Pharisee who had all the success in the world and he was on the Forbes under 30 most influential people list and he was really going for it and he was zealous for God but he had no the truth now listen to this from uh, 1 Timothy 1 <coughs> I thank Jesus our Lord verse 12 who has given me strength to do his work he considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him now listen what this guy did even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ some people think that's the unpardonable sin, isn't it? Well, not according to Paul. In my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. So he filled him with faith that came from somewhere else. Not his faith, but God's faith. Amen. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. You can hear the plead in his heart there. Everyone should accept it. What should we all accept? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them all. Not that part. <laughs> like, for all of us, we're the worst. Amen? But this is the acceptable saying, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Isn't that amazing? You see, that includes all of us. <laughs> and then it's not, you don't need a theological degree to understand that verse. Why did Jesus come? Well, to destroy the works of the devil, to save sinners. That's what it is. Okay? And then he says, and I'm the worst of them all. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them. Verse 16. But there, here is why I was treated with mercy, so that in me, as the worst, Christ Jesus could demonstrate his utmost patience as an example for those who are going to believe in him for eternal life. So that's really just a, a way of saying like, God saved the worst as an example that we all know that we can be saved. Like nothing that we have done is too bad to get saved. Okay? This man was killing Christians. The first people who heard the gospel in Acts 2 was the very people who killed Jesus, who shouted, crucify him, crucify him. They are the first to receive the good news that he is not dead. He is resurrected. Now think about it. 
If you come one day, you shout Hosanna. The next day, you shout crucify him. You're a bit unstable, aren't you? Okay, so chances are that you are going to maybe feel a little bad about what, you ha- what happened because you had this mob mentality. You know what happens in a mob. In- interesting in Albania, um, where we had a church as well, is because of um, one of the political status that they have, because of atheism, but that's the result of it, um, because of the way that the government wanted to control they actually spread the people as far out as they could. Like everyone is, is out and about. There's like a little few people there, a few people there, a few people there. Because as soon as we get together, that's when the governments have problems. Okay? And now what they've done is after the fall of communism, that's what I was looking for. After the fall of communism, they literally took the land, because no one could own land, and they divided the land, the square metrage, into the number of families. And they gave each a piece. Now no one could have land. Now they all own land, so now they don't want to sell it because they have a lack mentality. So you know what that does to farming? Everyone has a piece, literally I think about the size of the hall to the back, like from there to there. So how can you farm? Everyone has their own little crypto bank here and like there's no one working together because of a lack mentality. And we really need to be different in that sense that Paul says that, or that the first church is like everything we have is common to each other. If you need a cell phone and I have a cell phone in my drawer, then I'm going to give you my cell phone because I don't need it. And that's what we have. We don't need to go and buy everything. We can use what we've got amongst us because there's different things that different people need. And that's really an awesome thought. And like the more we've stepped into that, the more we see the blessing of that. Because even Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Okay, I've given away some big things and it wasn't to get. It was to give. Okay? This will help someone. Forgiveness. What's the key word in the word forgiveness? Give. So we don't want to forgive. We want to get people to ask for it. But if they ask for it, then is it really giving? So you're holding on to something in your heart, and forgiveness is really getting, letting go of that. So you give forgiveness. And that's really what Jesus came to do, isn't it? He came to give so that we could be forgiven. He came to give his life so that we can pick up his life. Amen? I want to say something that um, is going to get me into trouble. Please do not plead the blood of Christ over you. Or over anyone. There's no pleading. There's accepting. There's receiving. Amen? And the blood of Christ is not protection. The blood of Christ speaks of the life of Christ. Because the Old Testament is where we define it, not what someone said, not an opinion. The Old Testament says that we're not allowed to eat the blood of the animals because the life is in the blood. So when Jesus comes to shed His blood, what is He shedding? He's shedding His life. So we lay down our lives and we pick up His life and don't get weird with blood. It's a picture of the life of Christ. And when you are in Christ, you cannot plead to have Christ over you. You can pray for protection. Of course you can. You can pray for wisdom. A lot of people pray for protection and keep on being stupid. Okay? Pray for wisdom. Okay? And then act like that. And if you go on mission, we pray for protection. Amen? When we were in, landed in Serbia uh, last year, when we had, uh, I don't know how many turns we made in the air and we couldn't land because of storms and... Like we ended up very late in Albania and I landed in Serbia, which I was never planning on doing. I was so glad that there was a team on WhatsApp who were praying for us. Amen? Because that's really what we do. We carry each other in prayer. But you didn't need to pray the life of Christ over me because I have the life of Christ over me. Thank you very much. I actually have the life of Christ in me. And the blood of Jesus is not going to protect the flesh. You can pray for wisdom so that they make a decision. That's what I started praying because they were kept on looping, looping, looping. And my little peanut brain knew that this tank is only so big. So at some stage, they're going to run out of petrol, and I hope it's not when we're over the ocean. So I started praying, Lord, let them land, so we can refill. Okay? And we landed in Italy. And then I wanted to try again, and that didn't work, so we landed in Serbia. From Serbia, we went back to Switzerland. What an adventure. Okay? And we were late one day. I'll say this with you as well. Why are people so stressed on airports? There's two reasons, I believe. 
I'm giving missionary advice here. You guys are going soon. You must listen. Two reasons. Fear of death. Fear of flying, some will call it. Fear of death. Or fear of lack, finances. Because the worst thing that happens if you miss a flight is you need to book another one. What's another 15,000 rand in opinion? You see, where's your mind? Are you really going to let that seal all your peace? Or are you going to just trust God? And I'm not saying be wasteful, but sometimes things happen that's out of your control. So who are you trusting? I mean, even if you travel for business, how often do you really, really, really have a meeting so close to your landing time? That's bad planning, right? You need to have some margin in life and you'll be less stressed, okay? So it's really not about fear, but about trust. So we are living because the blood of Christ was poured out and we have now become one with Him, one with His new life, His resurrected life, His eternal life. And that's really what we are a part of. And um, <coughs> if you don't agree with me, speak to me later. <laughs> it will set you free. First Timothy 3.16. I've done those things, don't worry. I've anointed the pillars and the doorposts and the windows and I've done that. Caused much more fear than freedom. Much more focused on, 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 on another spirit, not the, the Holy Spirit, amen? So I'm talking from Erfaring, uh, 1 Timothy 3.16 And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, Believed on in the world and received up in glory. That's the gospel. So Paul is preaching the gospel and he's telling Timothy what has changed him. That's what I want to get to you this morning. He's telling Timothy, Timothy, this is what changed me. This is why I'm pouring out my life. This is why I'm living eternally. This is why I'm living for more than myself. And um, I'm asking you again, have you found Jesus? Have you found Jesus like Paul has? Have you found Him? Do you have purpose in life? Do you know why you get up in the morning? Do you have a reason to live? Are you living for more than just what this world has to offer? And if you haven't, then welcome to the right place here this morning because we'll help you get that. Amen? And I want to show you then how that even when we find that, how it changes our identity. Really, I want to, I want to give you this quickly. So, Paul explains to us that the gospel has the power... For transformation. He explains to us that it has the power to motivation. So the gospel is what transforms us. The gospel is also what motivates us. The gospel gives us purpose. And it actually even gives us identity. Some people will say it changes your identity. Which technically is true. But I would think it gives your identity. Because a lot of us don't have identity. We don't know who we are. We don't know what we're about. Now the gospel says you're a son of God. You're accepted in the beloved. You have a purpose. Now go and live it out. So you were all over the show and now you have direction. And now you're giving up actually even who you are or what you thought you would want in life to get for more. To live for the king. Amen. And that's really what Paul is showing us. So Melissa, I want to ask you to just come up and share with the church what you discovered this week. I think I was just inspired also by people saying that, you know, we, we know so little about the Old Testament. And if we just spend some more time in the Old Testament, we're going to understand um, actually all the revelation, that, that how, how Paul got to all the revelation that he got. It's, um, it's out of really knowing the Scripture, knowing the Old Testament. And, um, it's, I, you know, we just see there that God has always proven himself so faithful. Um, and it's, it's just in our minds how we, we understand Him and how we make up things that we actually have the security. And it's the wrong sense of security that we have because we know Him for who we think He is and He is not. Um, as we, yeah, I was just so inspired like this morning really to know that He is not against us, He's for us. So if, even if we, we see the Israelites, how they, they came um, um, and they were actually, they actually said to, uh, to Moses that they should rather have stayed in Egypt and, and be slaves than, um, than going forward where they can have the fullness of Canaan. 
have the fullness of the revelation, actually what we can think of as being um, our salvation, have that full understanding of, of the gospel. And then uh, even if we think of, of the angel, we, we, um, they want Joshua wanted to take them into this victorious conquering the, the walls of Jericho, and then there was an angel. And the angel that stood there with his sword in his hand, and Joshua asked him, are you for us or against us? And the angel said, neither. And, and that's just where we can see that God's heart is for everyone. It's not, it's not just for us, but it's for everyone, for the whole world to be saved. And we, we read that in, in 1 Timothy 2, verse 4 to 5, which says that, and I'm reading at, out of the um classic, it says, who wishes all men to be saved and increasingly to be perceived and recognized and discerned and know precisely and correctly the divine truth. So, and you, that, that is what God's heart is for us. So that everybody will be saved. And I, I was likely to say this week, I was inspired because I was wondering, you know, why did Paul, how could he change from being such a persecutor of the Christians to becoming a person that has such a heart <laughs> of spreading the gospel? And, um, and he said even, I mean, he... Uh, he despised unto, unto death, fighting, fighting, despising unto death. And what um, I just want to read 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8. He says, brothers and sisters, you need to know about the, the severe trials we experienced while we were in Western Turkey. The hardships we passed through crushed us beyond our ability to endure. And we were so completely overwhelmed that we were about to give up entirely. It felt like we had a death sentence written upon our hearts. Um, and we still feel that. But, but like Peter also said just now, he got to the revelation that it has taught us to lose all faith in ourselves. And to place all of our trust in the God who raises the dead. That's so powerful. That's the discovery. And, and then we can also ask that why is Paul's name changed from Saul to Paul? And um, so then I, I wanted to understand it. And we think it could be like Abraham. You know, God changed Abraham to Abraham or Sarah. God changed it, but it's, it's not. It was a choice that Paul did. He made a choice because he, he um, Paul is actually the Greek version of the Hebrew name Saul. So Paul, who, who was so, had such a great knowledge of the Old Testament. I mean, he was a walking scripture. He could, he could say the scriptures up as he, as he walked. But he, who, and he, I mean, there's pride in that because the Gentiles, they were seen as nothing in their eyes. But Paul was, he wanted to lay down his life and he showed it by saying, I'm becoming Paul. And he was even associated himself with the Gentiles, with the ones that were looked down upon and that was amazing. That was such a revelation for me to know that are we willing to lay down our status, you know, for, for what we know to really discover who Jesus is? Can we lay down what we are thinking about who God is and what we have been taught to really discover the truth about God? And um, yes, so that's my my desire to really also go out like Paul and just to tell people to come to the understanding of who Jesus is. Um, and that's why we're going to Belgium and that's why it's our life is a mission.
Amen. Isn't that powerful? And then also, I mean, Saul is more defined with glory and greatness and Paul with being little and nothing. Um, so that's a more traditional understanding. Um, but when she shared that with me, I was like, oh, that's really amazing. Like, are, are we willing to, to change, like, even what people call us? Like, are we willing to change our name to reach? And Paul says, like, I've become all things to all people in order that I might win some. And we look at those things and we think, wow, what a man. What a, what a guy. What a stand-up. What an example. Um, and that's good, but that's not the way that you're going to have, that's not the way it's going to happen for you. Okay, by beholding Paul, who was Saul, that's not how you're going to change. Okay, we don't follow good example, we follow Christ. And that's really what I want to show you this morning, is that when he found Jesus, everything changed. Like, everything changed for him. His purpose, his identity, his job, his security, everything. But he is standing at the end of his life, even if you read in 2 Timothy, and he is happy with his choice. Isn't that amazing? Like, he is happy with the decision that he made to lay down his life and pick up Christ. And that's really amazing because we look at someone like um, the great uh, Solomon, who wasn't that great after all, is it? Because he looks back at his life and he says, vanity, vanity, it's all vanity. Now, again, I want to invite you this morning into more. I want to invite you into purpose, into destiny, into, into motivated identity. So that you cannot come to the end of your life and say, hey, I didn't know. But you can recall this day, like uh, the Bible says, as I recall this day before you. As Joshua said, blessing and cursing, life and death I put in front of you. Choose life. And when we behold His grace, we behold His glory. When we find really Him, we find what we've been looking for. Now, Timothy um, receives this letter from Paul, his master, his father, in the faith. And in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the grace of our Lord Jesus was exceeding abundant. It's not just a little bit. It's exceeding abundant. See, it's not grace light. It's exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, faith then works by love, don't it? Verse 16 says, Yet, listen to this from the Passion Translation. This, this is beautiful. Yet I was captured by grace so that Jesus Christ could display through me the outpouring of His Spirit as a pattern to be seen for all those who would believe on Him for eternal life. I was captured by grace and now Christ pours out His Spirit in me as a pattern. Now a pattern means it can be followed. A pattern means there's more like that coming. So when we are poured out, then He is poured in. And when we pick up grace, the exceeding grace, then He pours His Spirit into us just like He did for Paul. So we don't try and be like Paul. We just receive the Spirit. Amen? Because maybe God is sending you to the Jews. <laughs> maybe He's sending you to a different nation. Maybe He's sending you to Stellenbosch. Behold, like uh, the surprise that I got. And I told you before that um, I was in Pretoria, a final year student. And a missionary came to me to raise partners. And they, I don't know the person, and they knew me through a connection. And they said, listen, met with me. And they said, they, and they feel called to, to Stellenbosch. They're going to go minister on a campus. And, and I'm, I'm sad to say, but I laughed at them. I was like, I don't think that's God, man. I think that's your flesh. Like, Stellenbosch is a holiday town. Why are you going there? Lo and behold. <laughs> I had to repent. And um, yes, God can send people to Stellenbosch. I mean, that tells you I don't plan to be here. <laughs> but God had a different plan. I mean, and I'm just uh, trying to live a yes, Lord life. That's really the secret to Paul's successes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Don't ask why, Lord. That's often what we ask is why, Lord. And we must just say yes, Lord. Because of this, my praise rise to the King of all the universe, who is indestructible, invisible, and full of glory, the only God who is worthy of the highest honor throughout all of time and throughout the eternity of eternities. Amen. So you can just see how he's living a life poured out, a live, living a life of praise. So, yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but I've realized that I too have been captured by him and by his grace. People ask me, are you saved? I'm double sure. <laughs> I'm triple sure. And you should ask people that. Like, I'm going to ask you from now on, are you saved? And you say yes, then I'm going to ask you, how do you know? Because a lot of people, you ask that first question, they say yes. You ask them the second question, they have no idea. Now I was born into a Christian home. Wrong answer. Like, that doesn't make you born again. Amen? That makes you born. But not born from above, not born of God. So we need to make sure. 
Have we been captured by Him and by His grace? I was thinking about it in this week as well and meditating where my life would have been if it wasn't for Jesus. Where my life was heading, where I would have been if it wasn't for grace. I mean, and I'm seeing all the nods and, and, and it's good that we sometimes just pause and think on that. I'm like, I don't think I would have been married to my wife. I don't think I would have had the two boys in my home that I do now. I don't, I don't think, I, I mean, I might have been dead. Like my life was not heading in a good direction. But grace found me. Amen. I found what I was looking for because he found me. And that's really the beauty. Like who shows up on the road to Damascus? Not Paul. He's going to kill Christians. But God shows up. Like God found him and it's his grace. Amen. So someone close to me asked me in this week if I could share with them what I've come to learn and experience around the topic of faith in God. There's a person in our family who um, has an opportunity to preach in his church and he asked me like sort of what is it that, that I would, would say around that topic. And I said, well, you have to give me some time because um, it's, a big, it's a big topic. It's, a, it's, it's something of um, not just importance but of, of, of gravitas. So it took me some time to put it into words but I want to share it with you this morning. For me... Faith in God starts with trusting God. I have realized that it is very difficult, if not impossible, to have faith in someone or something that you don't trust 100%. So I'm privileged to say, I'm privileged to say, that I've grown to trust God. I trust that He is good, according to John 10 verse 10, and only good, according to James 1.17. I trust that His payment was more than enough for my sin, according to John 1.29 and 1 John 2 verse 2. I trust that He is always with me, according to Hebrews 13 verse 5, and I trust that He loves me and that He loved me first, according to 1 John 4 verse 10. Therefore, I have faith in God. You see, that's everything that He did results in my faith. I'm not having faith and then he's good. I'm not having faith and then he forgives. No, he forgave. Therefore, I trust. Therefore, I have faith. Therefore, I have faith in God because faith only works, only becomes effective by and through and because of love. According to Galatians 5 and verse 6. And that's why I often say to people, I don't believe in the God. I also don't believe in the God you don't believe in. I don't believe in an angry God. I don't believe in a, a, a slave master. I don't believe in someone who kills babies. I don't believe in someone who's got anything to do with death, by the way. I believe in a good God, a good Father, who's only good, no shadow of turning, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe in Him. I trust Him because He has proven trustworthy. You see, my faith in God really starts with Him. Not with me. So yes, I found him. And my life, I hope and I pray that it will continue to be a testimony to that. And like Paul, I can stand here this morning and say, it's not about me. It's not about how great I am or what I've done. In fact, I, 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 I count myself lucky. Think about what we know. Just a moment. In terms of truth. In terms of forgiveness. In terms of the reality of Christianity, our understanding of the Bible, the composition of the Bible even, forgiveness, grace. And then just zoom out from this little barn between Stellenbosch and Somerset West on the R44 in the Western Cape in South Africa, at the southernmost tip of Africa, and zoom into a worldview with how many billion people, if we were to count. And ask yourself, how many of those people know what you know. How many people in that big bad world have found what you have found? What you and I consider our very life source, the reason we live, the reason we get up in the morning, our identity, our purpose, our understanding of even eternal matters, the way that we live with hope and forgiveness, the way that we know that we don't need to be ashamed, that we're not rejected but accepted. 
So I'm going to ask you, what are you thankful for? It can be much more than your house, than your car, than your bonus. Because you and I have what this world is looking for. I spoke to Shane in the week, they're in Belgium already. And he said, hey man, you wouldn't believe it, but it's worse than Albania. I said, really? Because, I mean, I've been to Albania twice now and it's bad. He says, it's worse. The language is easier, but the spiritual climate is worse. It's terrible out there. People are so post-religion. And the good news is we also don't believe what they don't believe in. That's why we, we're going. Because we have an answer. We have the words that give life. Jesus said, where would you go? Do you also want to leave? And Peter said, well, we don't understand everything. We don't have a big lodge. We don't have a building. But you have the words that give life. Where will we go? We have people who are 60 and 70 years old begging us to send more people to Belgium. Begging us to send people to pastor churches who's not pastored currently. Begging us to come and bring the antidote to post-Christendom. The antidote to denominational divide. The true life that religion cannot bring. You and I, we carry that. We live that. We breathe that. Listen to this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, is is writing again to Timothy, second letter, later on, by the will of God. What is the will of God? That we go out. You see, it's not Apostle Paul. That's where we get it wrong. It's not a title, it's a function. It's a service. It's Paul, the sent out. Paul, the poured out. Paul, the lived out. Paul, the one who gives because he received it all. By the will of God, God's will is that we go out according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. We have received the promise. So many others have not. Who has saved us, verse 9, and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. When Shane shared with the, um, the dentist in Albania that we don't kiss statues or do stuff like that, it's like, how can that be Christian? I'm asking you the same question. How can that be Christian? Because it's not according to our works, amen? But according to His own purpose and grace. Not our purpose, His purpose. Not our grace, His grace. Which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But is now made manifest. We live in the more blessed side. Amen. By the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's what we have. That's what we hold on to. That's what we proclaim. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher to the Gentiles. You see, it's really not about Paul's testimony. It's really not about my testimony. It's really not about your testimony. But it's about his testimony. It's about his story, his life poured out. And we now live in the wake of that. Verse 12, for this reason I also suffer these things, but I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. This is an amazing verse because he's not speaking about protection in this life. He's not speaking about finances that he's given to the kingdom. He's not telling us that he gave up his job so God's going to give him a better one. No, he's telling him that he has trusted his eternal state into the hands of God. And he knows that God will be faithful when that day of reckoning comes. How more safe can you be than eternally secure? He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was attacked by lions. So he wasn't praying for protection. He was praying for eternity. He was entrusting what he had not been able to attain, which is life everlasting. The very thing that gets us saved by the grace of God. Paul had faith in God because he entrusted the responsibility for his personal salvation into the hands of Jesus. He trusted God to get him saved. And when he realized that he is eternally secure, he started living a life of purpose. Now, that's someone I want to learn from. Someone I look up to. 
but not to replicate him. I want the source. I want to know his purpose, his motivation. I want to know the why. Because I can plug into the why, and the why is Christ. The why is Jesus. The why is God came to save sinners of whom I'm chief. You know, in all our own eyes, we are the worst. And I'm glad that I've been forgiven. I've been accepted. I've been received. I've been entrusted. I've been engraved. I've been welcomed into life everlasting. Not by my works, but by His. Not by my grace, but by His. Now, he says, Hold fast to the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 14, God through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. The word treasure there speaks of a good deposit. Now I'm asking you this morning, what has been entrusted to us? What is it that we need to guard? What is it that we need to hold dear? What is it that we need to cherish? And it's really speaking about the gospel. Remember I asked you if we zoom out from this place on the southern tip of South Africa, how many people know what we know? What is the treasure? The treasure is the good news of the gospel. When we need to call, be, be called faithful, it says you need to be faithful with the mystery that has been entrusted to you. Yes, we need to be faithful with finances, of course, but are we faithful? Are we good stewards of this mystery? What is the mystery? Well, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Thank you, Bible, for interpreting that for us. 1 Timothy 3.16. God was manifest in the flesh. Amen? He died, He was risen. It's the life, it's the death, it's the burial, it's the resurrection, and it's the outpouring. And it's for everyone. So I'm asking you this morning, have you found that? Are you carrying a good deposit of the gospel of grace? Are you carrying a good deposit so much so that people can come and take it? And there's more than enough. So much so that you understand. So much so that you can explain. So much so that you can share and say, hey man, listen, Mr. Taxi Driver, thank you for taking us to Piquet Bank, but I've got something better for you. Do you know, have you heard that God was manifest in the flesh? That He poured out His life? Yes, that He died as a sinner and was resurrected so that you and I can live forever with Him. Is that difficult? Is that difficult? Is that powerful? You see, now we want to say, yes, and I can stand here and charge you up and say, tomorrow you're going to share. Tomorrow you're going to forget. You're going to go to engine afterwards with Willie's and you're going to have a long queue before the rotisserie chicken specials and you're going to forget. And you're not going to share the gospel with the lady behind the counter because she's going to tell you to wait 15 minutes. I'm not prophesying. It's not to keep us charged up. It's to keep us focused. Focused on what it has done. For us, on who He is for us, on what He's given for us. And from that place, there's an outpouring. From that place, there's motivation. Are you carrying a good deposit of the gospel? Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Verse 8. I'm asking you this morning, what is your gospel? I hope I've shown you the transformation of Paul. Just in very broad strokes this morning. Because he comes and he starts that he used to be someone. Now he shares about someone else. And now he says that uh, verse, um, if you can put verse 8 up for us please. 2 Timothy 2 verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. So Paul's given up his story. Remember the word good news is gospel. So Paul has given up his news. He says it's no longer about my story. If you ask me my story, I'm going to tell you Jesus' story. If you ask me what's news in your life, I'm going to tell you his news. So it's not just the message that he preached, but it's the message that he lived. He was so engraved with the unity of Christ that he stopped caring about his legacy. Now that's a different thought. A lot of people think it's very virtuous to leave a legacy. No, it isn't. It says, I would become less so that he could become more. The only legacy we should leave is a Christian legacy, as disciples. There's actually a warning in Acts 20 that says we should be wary of the wolves who do not gather people to themselves and not to Christ. That's legacy. It's really about him. 
And this is what he says. Listen, it's not, I don't have a story anymore. I can't tell you. How's it going? Well, how's it going with Jesus? This guy was, I would say nuts. <laughs> I would say sold out. I would say captured by grace. In love with the one who loved him first. Amen? Has the good news become your news? Has the gospel become your gospel? Have you found Jesus? You will know if you have. The impact will be evident. Firstly, the impact on yourself, personally. And then the impact will grow outside of you. When the gospel story becomes your story, when the good news becomes your news, then you start sharing what was once shared with you. Now think of where you could have been and then think about who shared the gospel with you. And aren't you thankful? Wasn't that life-changing? Eternity-altering. You and I carry as a treasure the possibility to be that for someone. Not just every day, but every moment. That someone one day can look back in a service like this and say, I'm so thankful that Ruan shared with me the gospel. Or Armand. Or Leandra. Or Aniki. Or, like, I'm so thankful there's going to be a name. It can be your name. But it's not your glory. It's for Him. For the King and His kingdom. Listen to Timothy as he receives this. And Paul keeps on and he says, But you have fully known my doctrine. My gospel, my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance. Verse 14. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. This is where we started. You cannot say, but Peter said. You have to be convinced. So I've given you some bait. I've thrown out, go and study what the blood of Jesus is. Remember that little bit of controversy earlier on. You need to be convinced. You need to study it out. You need to find it in the Word. Knowing from whom you've learned them. But you, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. What a... What a, what a yes, let's do this to the end. Now I'm asking you, what does that mean? Colossians 2, 6 says, Therefore, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. I like that. You are drawn into Him, live there. Rooted and built up in Him and firm in your faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That's really what we're here about to this morning, is I want to stir in you just a reminder of what we have. Of how precious this treasure is. Of where we could have been. But guess what? We're not there because of Him. And if there's an overflowing of thankfulness. Then we're going to start living like Paul. Purposeful. Missional. Transformed. New identity. Now I want to ask you. Have you found Jesus? A better question might be. Have you allowed yourself to be found of Him? When He came knocking, did you say yes? Because that's really how it works. Because otherwise, well done on you. But it's not. It's thank you, Lord. That you came into this world to save sinners of whom I am. Either worst or part of. It's just as bad. But I got saved. I mean, I got gloriously saved. I got emotionally saved. It was snot and trane and hele gedoente. And it's lasting. It wasn't just an emotional evening. It has changed me. It is still changing me. It is still defining me. It is still transforming me. It is still motivating me. It's given me purpose and identity. Now, we as Grace Life, as a family, have an opportunity to take some ground. We're going to take some ground in Belgium. We're going to send out some disciples to make disciples. We're going to go like Paul and say, hey guys, you've got some work to do. Do the work of an evangelist. 
Fulfill your ministry. Endure hardship. Push on. Share the grace that has now become your news. Like I said to you, according to our initial understanding of what's happening there, it's worse than Albania. And already there's opportunities to help more churches than the ones that we've been invited to. Jesus, in his own words, said, "What well, the harvest is ready, but the harvest is our few. And somehow we're still praying for the harvest because it's easy, because it's not me, because it's just prayer. It doesn't take my annual leave, doesn't touch my bank account, and busy with the things of God. But thankfully, some of us have said yes. Some of us are going. Some of us have... I've made the arrangements, taken the step. And I want to call them forth this morning as we're going to pray and just send them out. Herman, Marlisa, Anya, and Kristen, if you can come forward. And Bernard, if you don't mind, would you just come and pray over them as well? Wendy, you can come too as you, if you want. Remember, the book in Romans says, like, how will they know unless they hear? How will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they be sent? So even though they said yes, we're all part of it. Because I'm not making you feel bad. I'm just telling you, these people said more yes than what we did. Okay? So we're going to carry them in prayer. We're going to send them off. Um, and we want to even ask you again, do you have finances to give to this mission? There's more work to be done. Amen? So, they're going. Okay? I don't know if they're going to eat yet, but they're going to fly. <laughs> That's usually how it works. Like, you know you're going, you don't know. And you have to buy a, a two-way ticket, so we know they're coming back. Okay? Um, so, Kristen is flying tomorrow. You guys are flying on Thursday? Wednesday. Wednesday? Wednesday. Okay. So, the team is, like, arriving there. Like, there's multiple opportunities. There's 1% Christian. Like, it's just, it's just ready for the picking. Amen? Um, but we want to just send them all properly. Uh, we want to celebrate that we go. Amen? But we have a reason, a purpose, a message that we take there. Amen? You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.